Hello, it's mic's on. I, I think I turned it on. All good? Yeah. Great, all good. <laughs> I am not the best with technology, so it's always best to check. Um, we are continuing on in our series in An Inheritance of Hope. We're looking at the book of First Peter. And um, just before I uh, read the scripture, I want to pray and invite the Holy Spirit. I think one of the things that I really sensed as I was preparing this is that in weeks, maybe months to come, you may not remember a huge amount of this. I hope that you do. Um, but what you will remember is an encounter with God. And I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to meet with us and to encounter um, us afresh. And so Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're moving. And Father God, we love you. And we long to be closer to you. And we humbly ask, Lord Jesus, would we know you afresh this morning? Would we encounter your love, your mercy, your grace, your power afresh this morning? And I pray that you would breathe on the words that I am about to share this morning with your life and with your power. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as I said, we're continuing on in First Peter. We're in chapter 1, verse 3 to 7. Um, so let's read together. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Amen. Um, I, uh, for some of you, especially those who, at the central site where I used to, uh, um, speak a little bit more often, um, you would have heard me talk about my, uh, older best friend, my grandma. And, uh, she is someone that I've brought up a few times because she's just had such an impact in my life, um, as a, a Christian woman, as my grandmother, and as someone who I know has prayed over me for my entire life. And in the summer, she went home to be with Jesus, and um, she is in the place that she wanted to be. And before she did that, she, uh, before she did that, before she went home to be with Jesus, before she passed, she made it really clear that she wanted each of her children and her grandchildren to have something that was sentimental to her, something that, you know, we could look back on and know that it was special to her. And um, I, I didn't know anything about any of the things that I received, but um, she gave us like little stories to go with them. And one of the things that she gave me, I brought them along just because they're just so beautiful to look at and carry so much power. And she uh, gave me this book, which I don't know if you can see on the camera, but it's a very old book. Um, and her father, when uh, he went to war, uh, so he was an army um, medic in the Second World War. And when she was five, she was evacuated. 
and he fought in the Battle of Dunkirk and survived. And somehow he managed to get this book out of that battle and to her for her birthday. And so, you know, in it is like handwritten notes and just absolutely so precious, this gift of the father that he would go, you know, to goodness knows what lengths to make sure that his daughter got one of the best gifts that he could give her in that time. You know, just how precious to hold on to a piece of history like that. But also when um, uh, when Ezra was born, she made sure that he had his inheritance too. And that was this common book of prayer um, uh, and a whole bunch of different scriptures. And also I was given another little book that my great grandfather held on to his entire life. Now he, before the war, he preached uh, all over the northeast of Scotland, uh, Scotland, England, sorry, <laughs> northeast of England. <laughs> and um, he, uh, he shared the good news of Jesus and he continued to do that even when uh, he was in the war. And uh, when he was um, towards the end of the war, he was captured and he ended up being a prisoner of war in Italy. And some of the, um, the letters that he sent home to his wife and his daughter were about how these books, this faith that he had was what saw him through some of the most difficult times. And even though he ended up dying in the war, he died as a prisoner of war, this book kept him going. This book is what gave him hope. This book is what um, he used to share the good news of Jesus with so many people. He preached, he held Bible studies, he held Sunday services all the way through such a difficult time. And to so many people, they would just look at these books and think, oh, that's lovely. You know, maybe they'd go in the charity shop some other time. But to him and three generations later to me, these books carry so much hope because they're not just words written on a page, but they are living, breathing hope. And I believe that that is what um, Peter is talking to us about this morning. You know, this hope, it never fades. It never perishes. It never spoils. And so that's what I want to start with this morning is living hope never fades. Verse four and five, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. You see, when we give our yes to God, our inheritance is locked in. We can have a full assurance that it, what is waiting for us. And not only that, but the very Father God who has given that to us is also keeping us too. It's not this kind of distant promise in the, you know, that we can't quite touch or feel or understand or that we have to strain to look for. But what Peter is saying is that we're being shielded, we're being pr uh, protected, and we're being kept until that promise is fulfilled in eternity. And I think when we talk about living hope, it's really important to understand, you know, this cannot be separated from what Jesus gave to us through the death and resurrection of himself. It is not based on, you know, nice thoughts and cliches or things that, you know, like, I hope there's a parking space outside work or I hope the new Aberdeen football club manager is going to be the one that we need because, you know, Derek McGuinness has got like big shoes to fill. Whatever it is you think about Aberdeen football club, it's not that kind of hope. That's not the kind of hope we're talking about here. Living hope is, a sec is secure in God. It is a gift. It is kept in heaven for us. And that word kept highlights the fact that this gift isn't something that 
the people that Peter are talking, is talking to when he writes this letter are us who um, are reading it just now. It's not something that we can do or achieve. It's not something that we can manifest ourselves. God is the one who keeps this inheritance for those who believe and trust in him. Peter is emphasizing there is security in this gift. And our new birth that Peter talks about means that we're part of a new family, whereby this inheritance that we receive is greater, more secure, more powerful than anything that we could ever be offered elsewhere. How amazing is that? You know, the difference with this hope is that it will never fade. It will never perish because the one who holds it cannot and will not fade or perish. The goalposts won't change in accessing this inheritance because God doesn't change. We're not going to get written out of the will. You know, throughout lockdown, I have been spending a huge amount of time with building blocks and building forts and making planes out of Lego, well, Duplo and all that kind of stuff. And my son comes up to me and he gets really excited. And he's like, mommy, can you build this? Or mommy, can you build that? And can you help me? Two minutes later, it's broken. He asked me to come and fix it. And my engineering skills are terrible. So that's why he keeps coming back to me, asking me to fix it. And one day he's going to grow up and realize that I am not the person to go to. He needs to go to his father. He needs to go to his dad because Chris is the one that can actually fix things and make them last. The point is we need to go to our father when it comes to building our life here. That is where our hope is. He does not let us down. Hope does not let us down. You know, Peter has explained this twofold promise. Not only do we have a hope in this inheritance waiting for us in heaven to take hold of when we go home to Jesus, but our Father is keeping us. He's sustaining us here on earth until we reach that point. That is what makes it living. Jesus' resurrection power in us, keeping us to the end, that will never fade. Now, I don't assume to know everyone's circumstances um, who, you know, who are watching this. You could be watching this for the first time. You could be going on a journey with God and really wrestling. Is this something that I want to put my, give my yes to and put my life into? Or you may have been a Christian for decades and decades and decades. Whatever your circumstances, I want to ask this question afresh of us this morning. What is my hope in? And will it last the test of time? I would be honest um, to say that sometimes my hope is not in the right thing. What would our answer be this morning? But I believe that God is offering us a fresh opportunity to accept him and to receive this precious gift of inheritance of new life and living hope, not only for our time here on earth, but for all eternity. What a gift. So living hope never fades. Living hope also sees us through. Now, this would be one of my favorite Disney films. And uh, if you haven't seen it, I'm not sure why. It's been around for three decades. But The Lion King, you've had two opportunities, the original and the new remake. Um, but The Lion King is a classic. And yes, I'm going to use it as an illustration. And... Um, there's this particular moment uh, in the film, which you may well know, and uh, it's probably one of the most uh, horrific moments for children in cinematic history, the uh, death of Mufasa. And um, 
<laughs> yeah, it, it, sorry, if that's a spoiler, tough. <laughs> You've had three decades to watch it. Anyway, um, uh, so Simba is like the main character. He is this lion cub um, and he basically kind of comes to find himself in this film. And uh, so he's gone off, he's, he's had this kind of crisis moment. He meets some pals, he has like a two kind of uh, musical interlude numbers and um, he's grown this beautiful mane, he's, he's come into his manhood and, uh, and then he's confronted with his past and his childhood friend Nala comes into the picture and is like, you need to take up your inheritance, you need to come back to Pride Rock and you need to be the king that you are. And Simba's like, nah, I'm kind of cool here, Hakuna Matata, all that kind of stuff. And uh, it takes uh, this wise old monkey, Rafiki, to literally bang some sense into him and kind of put him in the path of his father in the sky. It's one of those classic Disney moments of this starlit sky and a booming voice coming from it. But in this moment, Mufasa says to Simba, remember, you are my son. You must take your place in the circle of life. I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> With all seriousness. Now, <laughs> Simba's um, encounter with his father keeps him going in the right direction and gives him what he needs to take up that inheritance of being the king. Now, without reading too much into the script of The Lion King, there is something key in this encounter. The son encounters a father the father reminds him of who he is and whose he is. And that carries him through into what he must face, which isn't easy. He has to battle Scar and the hyenas and get Pride Rock back. Now, without trivializing the trials that we face, the point I'm trying to make is that when we encounter God in knowing who we are and whose we are, the living hope Peter is talking about here, that is what resources us to keep going through the trials of life that we face. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials, these have come so the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. Now if we rewind a little bit and take a look at who is writing this to the church and why it helps give us a little bit of context to what these words are about. See, Peter is writing to a people who have been scattered. You know, they were isolated even and would have faced many, many trials. And you can see throughout this whole letter that there is compassion and empathy and love weaved through Peter's writings. And if we think about it, we think back to Peter's own story with Jesus, that he himself went through what he went through. We can understand where that compassion and empathy and authority comes from. Because this is a man who, he confessed who Jesus was. He said, you know, he declared him as the son of God. He went to the top of the mountain with Jesus and witnessed the transfiguration. He walked on water to meet Jesus. He sliced off one of the ears of the soldiers in order to protect Jesus before, as he was being arrested. And yet he denied him three times after Jesus's death. Peter knew what it was like to live alongside Jesus, to know him for who he is, and yet knows what it feels like when the heat is on. This man was redeemed and restored by Jesus after his resurrection. And so you can understand his passion to declare the living hope that is within Jesus, given to us through the Holy Spirit. He knows what it is like to live in trial. He knows what it is like to be refined, 
the gold that he refers to kind of shows that when this precious metal, when the heat is applied to it, it loses its shape and form. The impurities show and separate and it doesn't stay recognizable. When we face trial and are refined, some stuff will get burned off. It's not pleasant and it can be painful. But what it does show is the purity and the authenticity and the transparency of faith that we hold. This isn't some kind of happy, clappy Christianity. This is a true and raw and transparent and authentic faith that Peter is talking about right now. This is what Peter has been through. And what he is pointing us to is a living hope that sees us through this. And let's not forget that every step of Peter's way, Jesus guided him through those moments. He was with him on the water. He corrected him. He loved him. He taught him and he forgave him. Even though Peter stumbled when he denied Jesus, um, when the crunch time came, Jesus not only forgave him, but he commissioned him to feed his sheep. He said, I will build my church upon you. His faithfulness saw Peter through. Jesus Christ is our living hope. He himself is with us in the fire, even when we falter. He is who sees us through. That is the living hope that sees us through. In Hebrews 6, verse 19, it says this, we have a hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. This is not only in the context of the promise to Abraham, but to us as well. The living hope that we have is secure in God. He is securing us through everything that we face. Now, I don't, again, begin to try and imagine what each and every one of us has been through, not just in this year. I don't want to um, limit our trials and things that we face to one year alone. But what I do know is that we have been given a resource of living hope, that this isn't some distant kind of thing that we have to kind of try and reach for. This is a very near thing. The Lord draws near to us. And so I just want to pray for us just right now. Lord Jesus, whatever we are facing, I thank you that you are here. I thank you that in times when it's difficult, in times when we don't know what, we're gonna, what step we're going to take to take us through to the next day, that in the midst of all of that, you are with us. You are guiding us. You are speaking to us. That your hope is the very thing that takes us through. We thank you for that, Lord, and I ask that you would increase that right now. Amen. And finally, living hope produces praise. Verse 3, 6, and 7. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In all this you greatly rejoice and may result in praise, glory, honor when Christ is revealed. Now, if you were to go to Sainsbury's, this would be a triple sandwich moment. This is Peter. Um, <laughs> he is uh, kind of bookending and sandwiching praise right throughout this scripture. And I think it would be a miss to gloss over the significance of this. Now, as a church, we've been doing uh, the Unanswered Prayer course. We started last week. We're continuing on this week. And it's just an absolutely incredible course. If you missed it last week and still want to join, please get in touch with your site pastor. I'm sure there's a way that you can do that. Um, but last week we heard from a, a, a pastor named Bob Sodge who shared some of his testimony um, and his response to God in, during what continues to be a really difficult time in his life. 
and Bob um, is a pastor and was a worship leader at the time that he sustained a vocal injury that um, left him unable to speak without significant pain. And he talked about his times with God and how he battled years and years of depression and finding it difficult to see God in his situation. Yet part of his testimony really stuck out for me and something that has just echoed in my mind like almost daily since hearing it. And he said that one of his most prayed prayers during that time was, I love you, God. I don't understand. I love you, God. And that blew me away. The depth of love for the Father in the depth of pain and darkness. And I looked him up after watching the video because I just kind of wanted to know a little bit more about him and, you know, hear a little bit more of his story. And you can see that he has written book after book after book after book about praising God, about worshipping him through the pain, about seeking him in scripture. You know, this man has gone after God in trials and difficulty, and it has resulted in him praising his name and giving him glory. And I find that hugely inspiring and massively challenging. The point that I'm trying to illustrate is that living hope we have through Jesus, that is what results in praise. I don't think that Peter is asking us to praise God for the specific trial or grief that we are facing. I think what he is inviting us into is praising God for who he is and what he has done for us through the work of Jesus on the cross and the resurrection. The context for much of this letter is new birth and new life that we are afforded by the mercy and grace of God that we are reminded of and drawn to that and focused on that. And that is what our results um, results in our praises for the living hope that we have inherited. Is it easy? No. <laughs> Does it always come naturally? No. Yet it is something that refocuses in times of difficulty. It is a discipline. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Peter refers to it so many times in the context to which he is writing this letter. Persecuted Christians spread far and wide and isolated. He knows that what is key to them in continuing on in their faith. And he is modeling that. He's saying, praise be to God. I think back to when my grandma went to be with Jesus and in the grief of it, I was just gutted that I didn't get to say goodbye. And in some ways, I actually found it really hard to praise God in the weeks that followed because I hadn't seen him move in the way that I'd hoped. And I had the privilege of being able to read scripture at her funeral. And in the moments after I read it, I just broke down because I felt like the God, like God just whispered to me through these words that she'd asked me to read. And I read some scripture from Philippians 3 and 4, not the whole two chapters, we're not going to go there. But I read this, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Living hope is not some abstract thought that we can print and stick on our fridge that ultimately ends up in the bin at some point. Living hope is a resource given to us to sustain and focus us. Jesus said that, you know, when he went to be with the Father, even though I'm going, I will pour out my spirit. The Holy Spirit is our resource. He helps us to praise. He helps us to seek God. He helps us to draw close to him and to guide us through trials. 
rejoice. Let your evident, your gentleness be evidence to all. See, church, there is a world that is longing for hope right now. For the last year, hopes have been dashed because they've been placed in things that don't last. But when we declare who our hope is in, it has power because it is living. It is breathing. It is sustaining. Let our living hope not be our best kept secret. Let it be the very thing on our lips and on our lives. I know some of the people, not just in this church, but outside of this church in my life who have gone through just horrific and difficult things. And one of the most impactful, most beautiful and inspiring things, challenging things has been their ability and their discipline and their love for God throughout the whole thing. I'm not saying that that's easy, but I'm saying it has power. My great-grandfather's choice to praise God as a result of what he had done in his life has rippled through three generations. Our power, our praise has power. Living hope is ours to share. And so that is my prayer for us this morning, is that we would um, receive afresh that living hope that God has gifted to us, that God is keeping for us, not only in heaven, but is sustaining us right now. Um, Scott and Sarah are going to create an opportunity now just for us to respond to that. And also, if you're maybe just thinking about, you know, your relationship with God and whether that's something that you want to maybe give your yes to God this morning, then they're going to lead you through that just now.